From Optimized Health, this is the True Health Podcast, where we unlearn diet culture and personalize our health one tip and story at a time. My guest today is Garrett Nash, who made his global breakthrough with blockbuster hit, I Hate You, I Love You, spending 39 weeks on the Billboard Hot 100 chart and accumulating more than 2 billion streams globally. He's toured all over, performed on several late night TV shows, and been featured in outlets like New York Times, Entertainment Weekly, and Vogue. But more important than any of this, Garrett has been on the forefront of the movement to normalize conversations around mental and emotional health in the creative community, which can be especially difficult for someone in the public eye. His recent fantastic album, The Art of Letting Go, is a personal favorite and was described by The Guardian as a collection of intimate confessionals and humbling insights around doubt, anxiety, and insecurity. As a former music manager for a decade, I can tell you firsthand that artists often find themselves torn between their public persona and their true authentic self, and Garrett is an example of someone aligning them both. I cannot wait to dig into this conversation, and with that, let's uh, jump into it. Welcome. Hey, how's it going? Thank you. Uh, that was a, a wonderful intro, and it reminded me of uh, some truths that I ha- I don't think about every day. <laughs> Good. That's what we're here for. Um, yeah. How are you today? To start it out, I'm okay. I um, I woke up on um, I wouldn't say the wrong side of the bed because I always wake up on the on the same side of the bed, but uh, the first thing I heard this morning was my cat asking for the bathtub to be turned on. Um, which is just oh. incessant meowing from the bathroom, which is near my bed. And she likes to watch the water uh, just dribble. And so I started wow. my day in that zone and we just got back from Hawaii. So I have like three hour jet lag. So I, it was about eight o'clock, which I know sounds late, but like I'm adjusting. And then, um, yeah. and I, I think I was in the middle of a dream where I was like really intensely processing something because I woke up and just started having this like crazy anxiety spiral. And I have like what I call like the the roulette wheel of anxiety where like somehow it just feels like my brain like spins a wheel and is like, this is the one today. And so it spun the wheel and it landed on one of them. And I was just laying in bed, like spiraling about it and, you know, fill in the blank of whatever your anxiety is. And you can imagine that that's where I was at. And, um, and then I like, I, we were in, like I said, we were in Hawaii and Roosevelt got me this crystal that she felt really connected to for me. That was like an open heart one. And I'm not normally like, a I don't, I, I'm really careful with that stuff because like I've bought crystals before and then like started having like really weird stuff happen and mm-hmm. been like, Oh, I got to bury this and like get rid of it. But this is, seems to be a peaceful one. And we washed it in the ocean a bunch while we were there and stuff. And last night was summer solstice. And Rose is, again, the, I'm, I keep mentioning Rosebell. Rosebell is my partner. She's my fiance. She's also my manager. Um, and she's also very tuned in. Um, and she was like, I was like, what do you do for summer solstice? Because she was like, oh, I'm going to like make my bathroom like a peaceful space for summer solstice. And I was like, what do you do? She's like, I don't know, like write in your journal, like some things or whatever. So I just wrote in my journal, like, I'm I'm going to, I like, what did I say? I am going to be kind to everyone about everything because I think something that I struggle with a lot is that I'm very like short with people and I don't have a lot of patience. I have a very short fuse. So I'm, I'm effective and powerful, but I'm also like not the most patient or kind when I'm explaining something or dealing with something or frustrated about something or someone's asking too much of me or I get overwhelmed or whatever. 
So I, I kind of then last night, like meditated on that. That was my only goal with the summer solstice was like, I just want to be kind every day. And it's really hard when the first thing is that you wake up to is your cat like yelling at you about something as innocuous as the bathtub to be super kind about that. But I was having this anxiety spiral. So I picked up my crystal and I put it on my chest and I just kind of did some deep breathing. Um, it sounds funny, but I was watching Air last night, the the Matt Damon, Ben Affleck movie about okay. signing Michael Jordan. And okay. they, yeah, they do all this. Um, Phil Knight is like a guru-y kind of person or whatever. And he uh, says, you know, when you're breathing in, just think about breathing in. And when you breathe out, think about breathing out. And I, and I guess like I've done a lot of meditation and a lot of things, but I hadn't heard somebody put it that way. So I did that this morning. And about five breaths in, I realized I was back in the dream, but I didn't realize that until I had woken up from it. And it was like, it felt like the dream concluded. And then I woke up, like kind of like, you know, came back out of it, the cat kept meowing, whatever, but it felt like whatever that sequence was that had been interrupted concluded. And then I felt fine and wasn't anxious anymore. And it was like, I gave my brain a chance to like finish processing that thing. And I wonder how many days I wake up in that anxious thing. And I've created all these modes and means to break that cycle, right? So like the final frontier is a cold shower. So I'll go through my morning, I'll exercise, I'll do all these things. If I'm not feeling better by shower time, because I can't let that pass noon, because I have like people that depend on me. I run a record label, I write songs for a living. People are coming over to my house for me to write songs for them. Like it's going to be a very complicated thing if I'm still anxious about how I woke up this morning. So I have all these systems. And the last one, like I said, is cold shower. And um, and this morning, I just gave myself another second in bed to process the end of it. And I, I didn't even mean to do that. And it worked out. So to answer your question, my day could have gone really weird. And then I just gave myself five more minutes. And uh, it was amazing how helpful that was, but only because I really set the intention of what it was, was I was like, I'm going to be kind to myself. When I held that crystal, it, I think what I'm realizing with crystals is that the reason it's so much about like set your intention with them is because then when you hold them again, you're reminded of that intention. Just like when you're meditating, if you connect these two fingers versus these two versus these two. Funnily enough, when I was learning to meditate in college, I was also eating a lot of Cheez-Its at the time. And so as a brain challenge to myself, because the yoga teacher was like, you know, it's amazing, like tactile response. Like if you touch two fingers together, what it'll remind, like you can associate it with a thing or a feeling. And a lot of people do, you know, like love and peace and whatever. And so I thought it'd be funny to associate the third and thumb with Cheez-Its. And now every time I touch these two fingers, that's what I think of is just the sensation of eating Cheez-Its. I haven't eaten dairy in six years. So it's a really naughty trick that I play on myself because Anytime I'm doing something and these two fingers touch, I immediately am like, oh, I'd like it to eat a Cheez-It. Yeah. It's amazing how simple we are. It's like, I, right. I think most of the times, like we just have these very simple brains that are way too powerful for what we're capable of. One of my favorite movies is Defending Your Life. It's a 80s, 90s movie you know. where um, Albert Brooks dies at the very beginning of the movie and goes to this kind of purgatory place where the concept of the film is that they show you movies from your perspective in front of a trial and you have to defend your life to decide whether you go to the good place or the bad place. Oh, and wow. So, and, and so, yeah, so like basically in that, there's this whole thing, but I, yeah, it's it's like, I, I forgot where I was going with that, but there, it's it's a great movie. And all that being said, I think that like the, the way I woke up this morning, sorry, I'm just eating my oatmeal. This is oh. another big thing. I've been realizing that I don't eat enough. And a lot of the time when I'm upset, I'm just hangry. Yeah. 
100%. And so I've been I've been trying to get some kind of protein before noon because I was intermittent fasting for so long. And I think that was really messing with my digestion and my life and everything. But I thought, oh, it's good. I'm losing weight, whatever. But losing weight isn't always the right thing if yeah. it makes you feel bad. You know right. what I mean? <laughs> right. Um, like it shouldn't always just automatically be the goal. Yeah. So I'm trying new breakfast foods. And when we were on vacation, I got oatmeal a couple of times and I was like, all right, this isn't as bad as I remember my dad making it like <laughs> when I was six and like he would eat oatmeal. So then I would have to eat oatmeal. Right. And, like, but it's funny because I did water in this one instead of almond milk. And when I smelled it, I was like, oh, God, I'm like eight years <laughs> old again, like being forced to eat oatmeal in the morning. Right. Well, there um, we go. But anyway, that's where I'm at. That's where okay. my morning is. I'm Great. I'm fighting the end of a cold, regardless of how much zinc I take. And yeah. Um, yeah, man, I took my L-theanine this morning. I brought this with me because I felt like this was important to share. Wow. I don't know how you say it right. L-theanine, L-theanine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, great. But this stuff right here, this is a game Helping? changer. What, I have tried... what? what have you noticed? What's it been helping? Oh, great question. So I started taking L-theanine because my videographer on tour, Kaysen, is a big like supplement guy. And he was like, you got to take L-theanine if you drink coffee, because just for everyone who doesn't know, L-theanine is derived from a tea plant. And the reason that, for example, matcha is a replacement for coffee for people is because it has a lot of this thing in it, L-theanine, that basically makes the caffeine flow really easily in your bloodstream. It opens up all your arteries, your capillaries, your blood vessels, whatever. So I started taking it because I was a big coffee guy. Like I do a Chemex every morning. It was like a beautiful routine I had and whatever all through the pandemic. And then I had a vocal coach who was like, if you like every day I'd go, we'd basically just be clearing my sinuses. And um, he would say, you know, what do you do in the morning? And I'd tell him, you know, it was whatever. And at one point I was like, I make a cup of coffee every morning. He was like, why do you need that? Like, what, like, what are you going to go run a marathon? Like, he's like, that's a lot of caffeine. He's like, if you take two weeks off of coffee and he's like, no lessons, two weeks, come back two weeks after no coffee and we'll see how your voice sounds. And I had two more octaves in my vocal that I didn't have before. Wow. Really? And my anxiety, like all the meditation I was doing, all this stuff was like dropped to like 50%, then 30%, whatever. So caffeine obviously was not working for me. So yeah. I stopped taking the L-theanine at that point. But when I um when I started working with this functional health practitioner a couple months ago, who basically ran all these tests on me, it was very expensive. And she was like, you know, you have low B vitamins because I had been vegan for three years and you have, you need more omegas, you need all this kind of stuff. She was like, do you take L-theanine? And I was like, oh, I used to because I drank coffee. She's like, it's actually a great thing to take regardless of, of drinking coffee. So I take one first thing in the morning and then I take one at night with my magnesium. Um, and it basically like helps me sleep deeper. It helps me feel less like short fusey during the day. It makes me feel just kind of generally better um, throughout life's processes that are generally annoying. Yeah. Um, but another way I dealt with that this morning is I just threw headphones on so the cat couldn't yell at me anymore. And I actually had a really peaceful morning. So there we go. Whatever works. No. Um, no, I love it. So with all that, a couple things already jumped to mind. Mm -hmm. um, first is even just you describing all of that. It seems to me like you are an incredibly self-aware person. Mm. You seem to know yourself very well. Yes. Um, probably for better or worse at times, like it is with yeah. most people. Um, has that always been the case or has that been kind of through lots of self-work? Um, I think it uh, started really intensely kind of like 
in the era post my first wave of success. So like I had a really big song in 2016 and that kind of like, you know, faded into the sunset through like 2018, 2019. Mm -hmm. And so sometime in 2018, 2019, I started seeking more professional therapy and whatever and landed in this hypnotherapy space, which I actually really enjoyed. Um, and it got me back in touch with meditation, which is something that I, I had previously mentioned I picked up in college. So um, I think that at that point, I started reading a lot of yogi texts and Be Here Now Ram Das and things like that, and really just starting to like figure out this um, oneness with myself through meditation that I was lacking, um, but I didn't know I was lacking. And and then over time, I kind of figured out that the meditation was great, but it I needed to be seeing it a little bit more as extra credit to a bunch of other things that I was doing really well in my life, as opposed to using it as the first step. Hmm. So I think like things like diet, water, exercise, things like that, that kind of just help my steam train get a rolling in the morning or whenever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that it really, it, the this era of that kind of picked up 2018, 2019. But I also heard this really interesting thought the other day in an interview. I remember who it was, David Lynch or something like that, said that they were talking to someone about, he was saying, this guy being interviewed was like, I'm a major hypochondriac. And I was talking to um, anyone who doesn't know hypochondriac, someone who kind of like makes up things in their head that's wrong with them. Yeah. And he was like, I was talking to so-and-so and I another creative and I mentioned this and they said, yeah, it's because like our creative brain doesn't like turn off. So if you're not creating, but you've trained yourself to be creating all the time, then you're going to start creating narratives about yourself, false narratives about the past, future planning in scary negative ways, like all those things. And it's going to drive you crazy. And so I think a lot of the meditation and whatever was to help resolve anxieties and fears and worries I was having because... I wasn't in this fluid creative place because I was on the road, because I was traveling, because I was in and out of work and meetings and labels and whatever. And so I started having all this anxious, you know, milling. And also that was an era for me. I was like 26, 27, 28. I, I popped off when I was like 23 and mm -hmm. then 24, 25, 26, 27. That era, there's a lot of change for people, those mid twenties. Yeah. And it was, it was really, really difficult for me because I think I started thinking like, you know, things feel so fluid when you're younger, like nothing's that serious. And then when you turn 23, 24, 25, 26, you're like, first of all, have the mistakes I've made, are, are they gonna like, are they as bad as I remember? Are they gonna ruin my life in the future? Are they gonna make it so I don't wanna start a family? I don't have enough money to do this. I don't, you know what I mean? The people I've pissed off or the friends that I've left behind or the whatever, like, are these things all gonna snowball and make me some terrible person, whatever. So I started having all this anxiety that like, really, I think honestly, if I had just kept creating and putting it out and creating music about it or creating art about it or whatever, probably wouldn't have villainized me in my head yeah. so much, you know? Yeah, and I think one of the one of the challenges, um, and also before I forget, we got a shout out to Roosevelt, who you mentioned. What's up, Roosevelt, friend of mine, amazing manager, awesome person. Um, anyway, one of the challenges I've found, you know, or noticed, I should say, is in a situation like yours as an artist or as any creative person, the thing that you had been doing prior to the success, the achievement, the fame, all of that is very quickly um 
not only I, I don't know I don't want to say left behind, but it's almost in the whirlwind of the success and the achievement. Yeah. Everybody around you is very quick to be like, yeah, yeah, we assume you'll be able to just keep doing that, mm -hmm. but we don't. You have no time to do it, but we just like assume there's like an endless well of that. And well, and also the the person that you're aiming to please changes in your head because all of a sudden, so before I was popping before I had something people wanted to talk to me about, nobody believed in me and nobody, in my head, nobody cared, especially the people I was writing the songs about. So I was like, I'm just gonna make them for me and have it be this cathartic journalized experience and really genuinely like do that. And I made three EPs about that and I'm very proud about that time in my life. And I think that then when you sign to a record label and people start giving you money and people start coming up to you at parties and you they want to make you the cool kid and everybody wants to be your friend because you've got something that they want because everybody wants a piece of the thing and whatever, you start being like, oh, I may mean to please these people now and not the people that liked my stuff and even deeper than that, me. Yourself, yeah. So you start aiming to <clears throat> create for the Wizard of Oz. You know what I mean? This big other of like, you know, you don't want to be too controversial. You don't want to say things that are, you know, like concerning. You don't want to piss anyone off. You don't want to upset anybody. You want to make big hits because you've done that once and that's what they're you think they're expecting of you and whatever. And I think that like, you know, the label I'm at Atlantic is incredibly supportive of whatever I want to do, like as seen with the art of letting go, like, you know, <laughs> whether whether or not they counted that as my second option is a different conversation. But they definitely let me put it out and we're like, yeah, we don't really get it, but like amazing, you know, like it seems important to you. And I'm grateful for that. And I think like when I was younger, I was like, oh, all these people, all this money, all these things, I have to like aim to please this big other. And I really didn't. But I think that kind of blew the um, it created an inauthenticity with my creative process, which then took away the cathartic nature of creating to create to get things off my chest. And I've only recently gotten back in touch with that through COVID because in a lot of ways, getting taken off the road not and not thinking about playing shows and not thinking about people pleasing and just kind of doing whatever I did here and writing songs to process what the whole world was experiencing and what I was experiencing in my view of it um, got me back in touch with that. And that's the space I'm in now where now I'm kind of blurring those lines and I'm like, okay, like. I went really to the wall on the like Garrett album with the last thing. Now, like, let's find that middle ground where like, I know what people want from me. I know what people want. And I'm, uh, I was a DJ first. Like I know how to please a room. I'm a people pleaser inherently like narcissistic -y, whatever. So I want to be liked. So let's find a way to balance that thing that is super me with what I know people want and kind of figure out that middle ground. And I think that's what I did really well and successfully on those first couple bodies of work. And then I lost touch with because of the way the game goes. But that's nobody's fault in particular, except for, I guess, my own. But you don't know that without perspective, you know? Yeah, it's so fascinating. You know, I was talking to somebody once who was talking about workaholism. Uh, that was the mm. context we were talking about. And she said something I'll never forget. And she had done lots of research and studies on this. And she said, praise and the feeling we get from praise is a drug. Like praise mm. is a drug. And when you start to be put in a place in any industry, whether that's music and success there or people getting promoted at a law firm or mm. 
somebody's parents telling them they're doing a great job when it's not something they want to do. It's all the same thing in that you start to get that praise and yeah. you become addicted to that. And you then down the road, like you're talking about COVID happens and there's this reckoning where you're like, wait, all of that external stuff goes away. What do I have left? And am I okay with what's left? Yeah, you realize it doesn't really matter. Like, you know, someone I'm really into right now is Sufjan Stevens. And like, he has a Tumblr page that he updates. And then his Instagram is a reflection of that. And like, right now is a bigger artist than he's been his whole career and has scored two of the most iconic films of the last 20 years. And with Little Miss Sunshine and with um, and with Call Me By Your Name. Yeah. And it's and you look at that and you're like, all right, this dude's doing it for him. He has to be because like. You don't have your two biggest albums 10 years apart. And like the second one was about processing the loss of his mother and he's in his 40s. And it's like about what grief is like at that age and whatever. And it's like, yeah, dude, like. And I think it's this, those artists, you know, they don't have, a, he doesn't have a billion streams, but I think he gives a shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think he's like, he's like, I made this album because I needed to make this album. I'm a true artist. And I think that that's the thing with artistry is like, if you're not doing it because it means something to you to do it, I guess, then like, don't do it. You know, yeah. like it, yeah. it'd be better just to go into hiatus until you're like, all right, I got some things to say, you know? Yeah. Like after Bonnie Vare won the Grammy for the self-titled album, he was like, I think I'm not going to do the Bonnie Vare thing so much anymore. And people yeah. were like, what? Why would you do that? And he was like, I just, Bonnie Vare's a particular feeling. And like, I just don't have anything to say about that right now. And I think if there's anywhere I made a misstep in the trajectory of the Nash project, which I think I'm trying to like realign and get back on track now, it's it's doing things for the Nash project because I knew that, or I thought that people wanted a particular thing or a, whatever. And, and I think really what people want is for me, I have an incredibly supportive fan base of people who are down for me to make songs that are about my human experience. And when I don't do that, they're kind about them. But when I do that, it, those are the songs that resonate hmm. deeply with my core. And it's, it's, it's an obvious thing um, that you can see with the trajectory. Like no, when I put out something difference. that really means something to me, it does super well, even if it's not technically the best song. Like I wrote the song, I'm so sad after Mac Miller passed away. And it was just a very simple kind of stupid piano song that took me like two hours and uh, put it out. And it's now like in my top 10 of like all my songs ever or like Lonely Again it took me like three hours and it was like a little beat and I just made it. It's like a freestyle. And those are the songs that resonate the most where the ones that I like toil over and I'm like, oh my God, is the hook perfect? And this genius rhyme scheme and oh, everybody's gonna love this thing. And oh, this is great for TikTok or whatever. It's like, those things don't matter. And I've been in the game long enough now, you know, I'm going on, uh, almost a decade of doing this consistently and I think like the biggest thing I realized is just like being yourself is the best thing you can do not only for your mental health but also for your career as an artist um and your career in anything like you're finding that thing that really gets you up and gets you going in the morning and then doing that professionally is the dream you know mm -hmm. and I I'm, I know I'm very lucky to have that so well I I love it I was gonna say um the album The Art of Letting Go that you mentioned the song the art of letting go personally i am like a huge fan of i think yeah it's, great song i think it's so great um and i guess for me like when i first heard that i remember listening to that being like oh this is somebody who is going through a massive transition and you know 
knowing enough about the industry to know some of the psychological pieces of being an artist. Like there's a lot of layers to that. Mm -hmm. So I guess whether we're talking about that song or in general, like, was it COVID? Was it that slowdown? Was it, you know, reimagining where your career was going to go? The name change from Nash to Garrett Nash. Like, it seems like there's been a lot of letting go in different forms. And like, was that, where did that start? Like, what was the moment where you were like, oh, I need to simplify all of this in order to sort of like reclaim who I actually am? Because it's yeah, totally. kind of trying to do with all this you're talking about. Yeah, I, I went I went from Nash to Garrett Nash. We went back to Nash because we thought that's why the songs weren't streaming. But I think what we've realized is the songs weren't streaming because I wasn't making TikToks about them and uh, they're a little heady. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I've just fallen into this place with that record, with the whole album where I'm like, people will find it when people need to hear it as they did with my first things. It's a pivoted sound. And like, you know, in in moving forward, I'm going to kind of like realign the wheel, like I said, but to answer your question, I think that, um, I think that it was a combination of a bunch of different things. I think that like, you know, I was, uh, and am sometimes like just kind of an unhappy, miserable person who then got glorified for that. And like that kind of put me in this weird position of feeling the need to live the blues, to sing the blues. Um, And uh, then when COVID hit, it felt like none of that mattered anymore. That character that it felt like I, and then like kind of the world supported I created in the world supported was irrelevant because I um, wasn't going to maybe ever play a show again, depending on the trajectory of how COVID went, you know? And like, then also like being afraid that like, maybe I wouldn't see my family and like, you know what I mean? And things like that. Yeah. It was, it was the, and I think like one of the, like the, the beginning of the catalyst was Kobe dying. It was Mac dying, then Kobe dying, then COVID. Mm. It was like, bah, 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 bah. And it was all of these things in a row that just made me be like, this doesn't like matter. Like what I'm doing doesn't, it it matters that it's helped people and all that. But the, the way I've built it up in my head doesn't matter as much as I think it does. And all these little micro decisions and all this controlling shit that I do and all the like, I need to approve every single thing that whatever. And like, I have amazing people on my team that like, I don't need to be micromanaging about like, just go do the thing. All good. Okay. That's the merch. Sounds good. You know? And like, we've had faux pas and we've had missteps and whatever, when I haven't been a hundred percent on it. But like, I feel like a lot of my career was so obsessed with being afraid to make mistakes that it didn't grow how it could have because I wasn't liberal enough in decision-making to everyone else. Mm. I was like, everything has to come from me because what has worked has all come from me. But like the irony of that is like most of all of my biggest songs I've written with other people, like I'm inspired by other things that don't come from me. You know what I mean? So it's like the, it's it's it was a it was like a it was a really bad negative feedback cycle. And so I think like when everything slowed down with like for me, reality slowed down when Kobe died and then COVID happened and then like whatever, I was like, yo, like this isn't um this isn't like working for me anymore. I just kind of want to fill the bird feeders and like be home and like, you know, learn how to cook and like whatever. And I think a lot of people had that reckoning of, of 
you know, finding hobbies and adopt all the shelter pets got adopted. And like, you know what I mean? And I like really bonded with my, my family here. And like, we really like locked in and like, it was, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. That's like, it's almost feels like, you know, apocalyptic, like, you know, catastrophe. And then now like the flowers are growing from it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, and what you talk about too, it's funny, I'm reading a book right now called The Surrender Experiment. I don't know if you've heard of it. No, I haven't heard of it. um, It's really good, but it's a, it touches on a lot of the stuff you're talking about, which is like, there are lots of people where you achieve amazing things by this almost like maniacal sense of control and perfectionism, or like, I need this to work. Yeah. And you work through it and you're putting in the hours and making it all happen. And then you get to a certain point where you're like, I just do not have it in me to like have this much grasp on things that this I, this is the point I, I came to. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't actually have control of this anymore. Right. Right. And, I and that's the point I came to crazy. after like, I didn't, after another, you know, three to five years of the career, I didn't have another billion streamer. I didn't, I didn't, my tour numbers were going down. Like, you know, and, and they were becoming more intimate and more amazing. And I'm not ungrateful for that. Like, you know, like I, I, I love the people that love my music. I'm very grateful for them. I, you know, I'm very appreciative, but I also like, I wasn't, I, it wasn't satisfying me. And then I had to like, kind of look at it and be like, all right, well, like if I'm being controlling, so it's all up to me and no one wants to do anything because they have to like make sure Garrett likes it. And then the, the thing isn't working. That's happening. Like we're losing money on merch. The tour numbers are going down. My songs aren't streaming what they were. Then there's something not working here. So, um, you know, going into the first record, I started working with uh, this dude, Jeff Levin at Atlantic. And I think between him, Rosa and I, I kind of was like, I'm just going to over the pandemic here, like make songs. And then every month or so we'll get together on Zoom or whatever. I'll just play you guys all the songs and we'll discuss them and we'll pick one or two from the 10, 15, 20 I've made and we'll throw them in an album bucket. And that's how we built this record. The Art of Letting Go was really genuinely like a collaborative effort where I, I threw in the towel. I was like, something about what I'm doing isn't working. I need to hit the reset button. Let's just like make an amazing body of work. And that's what happened. So it does feel like a reset button in a lot of ways. It feels like my first EP where like, uh, like I put it out and was like, oh my God, no one cares. I have to like go drive Lyft. Like I'm useless. And then, you know, found Olivia found me. I'll say she covered my first song and then we did that and whatever and everything steamrolled and all built. And I feel like in a lot of ways, COVID gave the time 2020, 2021, gave me this chance to like hit this reset button and be like, do I want to tour all the time? Do I want to just be home? Do I want to create a bunch of stuff? Do I want, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that, um, I think that at the end of the day, I did what I know how to do, which is write songs to process. And that's something that I hadn't done since 2015, 2014, um, which is when I made all the songs that were dwindling because that's what people liked the most from me because what I had been making since didn't yeah. resonate the same way because it wasn't coming from the same place, you know? Yeah, but it's beautiful, man. I think it's amazing that you have the recognition to kind of separate the two and kind of understand where some of the success came from and also understand that you're also a human being beyond an artist. And yeah. there are lots of other pieces of yourself that need to be acknowledged beyond just totally the achievement piece. Yeah, that's beautiful. What about 
outside of music. So you're clearly right. Like, a, I would say a very, it seems vulnerable, self-expressive yeah. person outside of music. Has that always been the case? Like childhood, was that just always in you? Is that a family thing? Like, where does that emotional range come from? Just being expressive. Yeah. Yeah. My dad is um, like, like, as I get older, I realize a lot of it was just him talking a lot and lecturing a lot to be heard because he didn't feel heard in his own childhood. Mm. So he finally felt like he had this like built in audience of people who could like learn from this wealth of wisdom that he's accrued over like his lifetime and jobs and whatever. But I think in that environment, when I was a kid, I learned like, oh, like you can just like, it's, it's cool to talk about how you feel. And I've always done that. And so I think that like with the beginning of my music career, as I said, I was I was DJing and that wasn't satiating the conversation and being heard component in the way that I wanted it to. I was playing other people's records, but I wasn't playing my own. So I started making these like down tempo covers to mix into the set. And then I basically like uh, that's kind of how the artist career snowballed was I started making these little covers and then I started writing songs because I was like, well, it's the same thing. I just put my own lyrics on them. And I was like, oh, it's pretty cool. People want to listen to how I feel and whatever. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so I think like generally like, yeah, going back to like, you know, my grandparents' 50th wedding anniversary, like I was the MC of the event and like prepared a rendition of happy birthday as happy anniversary for them. And like, you know, got the dance party started or like, I've always, you know, I've always done like the 4th of July block party or like whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like I've always been the dude because I just have one of those lights. That's like, come on, like, let's go. Like, I don't come from some like big family where I needed attention or whatever. I just knew like my mom, you know, my mom was in a very humanitarian side of the film industry when I was very little. And before I was born, um, she'd make like documentary films and TV movies and things like that. Cool. And uh, she'd always say about certain people, you know, they just have the thing. They just have that thing. And I think like that kind of got instilled in me. Like I really wanted to have that thing from like when I was really little, you know, because I was yeah. like, oh, these people are really glorified, not only in my house, but in this town, in the place I live in. Society seems to circulate because I grew up in L.A. So it's like society seems to circulate around these people that have that thing. Right. So, like if I have that thing, then like, you, you know. know so yeah. I kind of just like made myself this like I'm kind of a big deal cocky character that kind of wanted that attention. Um and then I really got it. <laughs> so it worked like, out. Oh, yeah. and there it is. It's yeah, here. but it didn't make me happy. I think I realized that pretty quickly. Like proving the point to everybody I felt like didn't believe in me and the money and the thing and the whatever and you know the relationships and the people and the whatever, none of that really made me happy. Like I wasn't happy for a long time until I was granted this opportunity to hit the reset button. And I feel like only in the last couple of years have I really started to figure out what makes me happy. And I still can't really put it into words, but I think it's like the simple things for sure. Like, you know, yeah. picking a peach from the tree and eating it and like, you know, having like a really good cookie and like, you know, like, and, and these simple things like, like feeling accomplished after a running up a hill or what, you know what I mean? Like things yeah. like that, the, that, that stuff genuinely makes me happy where like, and I think you see that a lot with musicians, like they, they seek their whole life for this. Yeah. I think yeah. I read something recently that was like, you know, 
it's interesting to think about that when people are overwhelmed or stressed or overburdened and they have these like fantasies of some sort of like escapism towards their life, they're never fantasizing about having more. They're fantasizing about a simpler life somewhere yeah. off the grid. And that's yeah. like brains automatically, the thing we want is actually much less than what we already have. We just yeah. program to chase the thing all the time. Totally, totally. Yeah, I think like the human race is a human race. And we are all in this feeling like we're competing against each other when like, ironically, like, you know, there's plenty of land for us to all have a little piece and just kind of, you know, relax and Absolutely. have to think about all this and yeah. whatever. And I think like, you know, maybe it's just the the Hawaii glow that I'm experiencing, but <laughs> I, I don't think that it's... um. I don't think it's all that complicated. And I think for years I did and I bought designer shit and I did this and I did that and whatever. And I think like I'm at this point now where I'm like, I'm down to live wherever, do whatever. If I have, I'm back to that place I was in when I was 20, 21, 22, finishing college where I was like, if I have $5 a to buy a banana and a coffee in the morning and clean water and a place to sleep, then I'm probably fine. All this other stuff is just complicated and it just gives me anxiety and stresses me out. My house payment and the vet bills and the fucking, you know, I love all these things and I'm grateful for all these things, but it mostly at this point to me feels like it's for everyone else. It's not really for me anymore. It's for the people in my ecosystem, my partner, my pets, my neighbors, my friends, the gifts, the food, the whatever. I don't I, like if you took it's like this morning when I put headphones on and just listened to a podcast <clears throat> and walked around doing my chores like it was so easy and so simple because there was nothing else. It was just like, I'm just going to do the laundry now and then I'm going to make the bed and then I'm going to walk the dog and then I do this. And all of a sudden it was over where like normally that's like this long, laborious, I'm procrastinating, I'm whatever, because it was just like simple things, do the little things, all good, you know. I, re I relate to that so much where it's yeah. just this feeling of like, wait, this is great. And everybody leave me alone. I don't actually yeah. need any of this. <laughs> yeah. It's very caveman. Yeah. Um, wow. What about, so through these years, right? Like looking at a lot of the, the self-work you've done, right? Mm -hmm. the, the mental health work, all this kind of stuff. What are, what are some tools? Like what are some go-to things that really work for you today when you do feel anxious, when you do feel stressed or anything else that comes with like do you have go-to practices or thoughts or kind of modalities that work for you yeah um i mean they're not like concise in a list so i'm just going to talk through a couple of them yeah and we'll land on a couple answers so uh i'm still figuring out <clears throat> what my most ideal form of meditation is because i think the guided meditations where you listen to the recording and whatever sometimes that that isn't always the most practical thing when you're in those moments where you're like overwhelmed or whatever so I am thinking about maybe seeking out um, one of those places that gives you a mantra and then teaches you how to like quickly, maybe like a TM kind of thing or something like that. That could be another stage. But I would say definitely one of the core pillars is some form of meditation, whatever that means to you, right? So my trainer, for example, is like, I don't meditate, like close my eyes, lay there and breathe. He's like, I go to the beach and look at the ocean. That's my meditation. Some people read, some people feed the birds or watch birds or, or what, you know what I mean? Or some people make music and that's their meditation or whatever. But I think finding what your meditation is and not necessarily being afraid that it doesn't conform to the guru sitting there with his eyes closed is really, really important to overall well-being. 
because it just gives golf for people is meditation, uh, tennis, sports, the exercise, like whatever, finding that thing, that pottery, the thing that helps you go into flow state and zone everything else out and be like, I'm here now. And Mm -hmm. this is all that matters is so important for our very simple little brains. I think that's just an absolute requirement to me. Mm. Um, and I'm still mastering that myself, but I do think that when I do, there won't be much more to live, learn in life. And maybe that's the end, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that's why people have these coming to light moments on their deathbed because they're realizing, oh my God, I get it. It's 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 just this simple, you know? Yeah. It's just love and yeah. light and well, and I think, I think with meditation, especially like there are a lot of people, anything wellness related, mental health, physical health, anything, they're immediately overwhelmed and intimidated because there's so much misinformation or there's, sure. they see wellness influencers or whatever talking about this really crazy stuff. And they're yeah. like, I'm not that person. And I think yeah. meditation, people need to just recognize that meditation can be different things and it doesn't yeah. have to be sitting on a mountain for two hours every morning because nobody no. has time for that anyway. You no, know? It can be so. first thing when you wake up, the extra five minutes I took to help reset the dream could be my meditation for the day. It most likely will be. You know, I got like a little personal trampoline and I jump on that a hundred times when I think of it. That could be meditation for someone, you know? Like it's it's really just whatever it is that works for you and it could change every day. But just taking a couple minutes, one minute, five minutes, everybody has, you know, two minutes in a day to just do something for you is so important because I think so many people live these lives of like, you know, survey, serving and servicing the rest of everyone. And when you're just doing it for you, it's so obvious. It's so simple. Like when I threw the headphones on this morning, you know, Um, another thing is, yeah, is good water intake. I definitely notice the days I'm dehydrated, things get a little complicated. And with that, I would say diet is so important. Like I'm just learning over the last couple months, like getting proper protein and like, you know, making sure you go going and doing some blood work and getting your levels checked and whatever, and all that stuff's great, but like it's accessible online. You can learn what works for you pretty quickly, you know? And I think that like most people are just protein deficient and B vitamin deficient and all these things that magnesium is so important. Like these things that are just overlooked in society that people are, you know, doing, taking whatever for to pop an Advil for a headache as opposed to, oh, maybe you're a little low on sodium or whatever, like really listening to your body. Um, and then, and then seeking those answers is really important. Um, and, and yeah, I think, I think those are really the two big ones for me. I think it's as simple as that finding time for yourself and then just treating your, your body temple well, because I think that answers the two really clear things in the trifecta, which is the mind, body, soul, right? So if my, if my body is satiated from what I'm putting in it and how I'm treating it, and if, you know, if I'm getting a little sweat on or not or whatever, Um, and then my soul is satiated from just taking time for myself and feeling peaceful, then my mind will probably benefit from those two. You know, I think, I think triangles are really important to remember in Mm. all aspects of life. I use this all the time. Um, I grew up, you know, like I said, a huge Kobe fan. And I think that like the triangle offense, which is something Phil Jackson used to run is like the best way to look at all ends of life, regardless of your Shaq or Kobe, or if you're whatever, the way I put it to people is like, if you're a musician, right, you you have to figure out what your triangle is. So if that's, yo, I crush shows, 
and I have amazing merch and I have the best fan base, you're Quinn 92, right? You're good. You can sell out YouTube theater forever. Like he, yeah. he'll be the, he'll, he'll, he'll keep growing. He'll go staples. He'll do the whole thing. Right. Because he's got his triangle on lock where like, you know, in a lot of ways, like my triangle is suffering right now. Cause I, I am amazing at shows when I'm not playing them. My music is good, but no one's hearing it. And I'm not running social media how I used to. So my triangle is a little broken right now. Right. So it's just about figuring out what that triangle looks like for you in any aspect of life. And I think that like triangles are the most stable they're more stable than a four-leg table because they have less points to tip over on right so if you can figure out okay i'm treating my soul right with the with the taking time for myself maybe you learn a little something in the day maybe you read a little bit maybe you pick up a text or whatever or you just do social media less i've been using this app called one sec which is really helpful that basically like creates a barrier between opening an app and i'm already learning how to get around it quick or whatever but it, it is pretty it effective. Helps. yeah and I think that's good for mind. And then and then body is just what you put in it. And if you can figure out that triangle and how that works best for you, then I think you're good. You know, I, I think it's really as simple as that. Triangle yeah. offense. I love it. I think um I think people underestimate something you just talked about, which is, you know, I think a lot of times there are people that find themselves falling into the physical health person. So somebody who's super into nutrition or super totally. into fitness or a mental health person who's really into mindfulness and meditation and yoga or whatever and i think what you're talking about is i think of as true health but it's it's the connection between all of this and it's yeah, all it's different every day what your priority can be yeah based on what's going on so like where absolutely falling for you connecting the dots on those it's almost like at the end of every day and this might be something i take into my own life is like to look back at, at the day or look ahead at the day and like i i heard this thing recently that's got me thinking a lot where someone was telling me that they knew someone or there's, I don't know, there's something interesting where basically like the night before uh, the dude would decide what his one thing was for the next day that would be his like accomplishment. And that could be as simple as like, I'm going to take that package to UPS to like, I'm going to hike with Bob tomorrow or like, I'm going to, you know, chip 10 balls on from my roof into the garden or what you know what I mean like whatever yeah. your thing is for the next day and that's the one thing that makes you feel accomplished and I feel like for me it's almost like looking back at every day at night and being like what are what did I do for my mind my body and my soul today and if any of those were missing just knock it out right then right so if it's if it's everybody has the two minutes if I didn't do anything for my body and I ate a bunch of bullshit hop out of bed, do 10 pushups, get back into bed. You know what I mean? Like if, if, you, if you didn't do something for your mind, pick up a book, read 10 pages of a Murakami and put it down. If you, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, like we all have the time. We just have to make the time. Yeah. And I think that looking back and being reflective in that way and then trying to pre-plan could be a really effective uh, tool that I'm going to definitely post this conversation, do my best to maintain for the next yeah. few days until I forget that I remember, thought of this. And then it'll be something <laughs> that I hear on TikTok that, that I'm like, oh, that's the new thing, you know? I think you're spot on. There's a guy named uh, Leo Babauta. I don't know if you're familiar with this work, but he's no, cool. uh, the power of less. That's amazing. Oh, cool. like one of my top five ever. And I went to a retreat with him and he talked about exactly what you're talking about, where essentially you're choosing what he would refer to as like the MIT, the most important task. And the goal is to get that done by like noon every day. Cool. And it's like, if you do that, 
you're good. Everything else is bonus at that point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I call it extra credit. There we um, go. I love it. Yeah. And I, I'm also reading the uh, Atomic Habits, the James Clear book, which yeah. is cool. It's a lot of stuff I already know, but it's nice to be reminded. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm checking that one out. But yeah, it's like, you know, I, I'm not the best with reading. Sometimes I remember to right before bed, but I have this massive pile of probably like 20 books right next to my bed. Okay. It's a little overwhelming. So like, I think I need to isolate that down and just pick one and be like, this is the one right now. But some nights you're like, ah, I could do Catcher in the Rye. Totally you're like, I want this Murakami book. And you're like, I want something a little self-helpy or whatever. Yeah. So I was going to say, you sound, like a, you sound like a big reader. Well, I've got the pile to show it, but I think it's mostly uh, a facade to yeah. to to indicate to anyone that happens through my bedroom. Oh, Garrett's a reader, but right. I, I like do idea, my best. The idea of reading. It's a, it's an idealistic <laughs> thing. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, What about fitness? What about physical health? Talk to me about yeah. I I've worked with so many people on the the health coaching front, but even when I was going through my own, you know, health journey and weight loss and all this kind of stuff. I found that how I fell in love with exercise and fitness was noticing a the mental health benefits, the stress relief, the break in the day from being there for everybody else. And the second thing, just being like, I want to go spend half an hour to an hour just on myself and not hear from anybody. Yeah. Like, where has that fallen for you? Like, give me. Yeah. So I um over the last tour in 2019 i tried a peloton a couple times at hotels and i got really into it so i bought one when i got home and i was grateful because i was ahead of the curve with the pandemic and oh yeah able to run that during the pandemic um and then as the pandemic wrapped up uh, end of 2021 i got connected with a trainer who i see three times a week this dude pablo he comes over and just like really makes me sweat for like 30 minutes mm. um i love pablo and uh, I see him the second most out of any person, you know, because he's over three times a week. So yeah, uh, we talk and whatever. And that's been fun. Um, but I really think like the biggest thing is like, you know, if you can afford a trainer, great. If not, like whatever it is, I think that like there are so many readily available um, great you things for exercise. Like I was using this app that like Adidas made for a while before the pandemic that was like simple workouts and whatever. Um, it's just about the motivation to actually get up and do it. And I think that that's where I'm spoiled and having the trainer is that he's at my house. So I have to go do it, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, I think that, um, I, 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 I do love what exercise does for my life and I love how good I feel after it, but I oftentimes find myself wishing that I didn't need to do it at all. And I could still feel great because I think I have this idealistic perspective of the trajectory of my life where, I am a very like, I want it now person. And if uh, I need all of these other things to make me feel baseline good, then do I actually feel baseline good? Or is it all of these other things creating this like mm. perfect little picture? And if one of those things doesn't work, is everything screwed, you know? So I think that for me, like obviously exercise is important because we are hunter gatherer warriors originally that are used to running and whatever. But I also sometimes get a little hard on myself that, uh, you know, I shouldn't need all of that to feel good. I, sh I should is a dangerous word. My therapist does says, don't should on yourself. Um, but in my head, sometimes this narrative of like, you should feel good 
without all those things comes into play. So I do the exercise because it does make me feel good, but I wish and I hope that one day, like my yoga teacher, I can just like do yoga passively and be like, I'm good. I don't sweat. I don't do nah, I'm good. Like every now and then I go on a hike or whatever. I mean, I see these dudes with like, you know, the, like the little belly and the, like the yogi kind of vibe and like the Rick Rubin, like, you know, whatever. And they're chilling. Like they're, they're not like dying, sweating on a treadmill first thing. Who yeah. knows? You know what I mean? But then yeah. also there's people I love and respect in a business capacity, like Bob Iger, who runs Disney and this fool wakes up every morning and does a fucking stair climber thing. So yeah. You know, like different strokes for different folks, I guess. And like, I, I want to try and live as long as I possibly can. I'm definitely like a semi biohacker. Um, so I know it's important to exercise, but I also wish that I didn't need to yeah. for lazy purposes, but also because I should on myself more than I should. It's also what well, you just said, I, I relate to and is interesting too. It's like this, you can almost get... I don't want to say trapped, but you can almost get maybe paralyzed by the number of options in the kind of wellness yeah. world where you're, you're sort of like, yeah, these are all great. And am I this like shattered that I need 30 different modalities? Like you can start to totally. beat yourself up in pursuit of wellness. Totally. Yeah. What I wish is that someone would just come up with like a very simple exercise regimen that I could do for 10 minutes a day and I would miraculously lose all of the body fat that I don't want. And uh, it would only take three days and in three days it would be gone. And wow, that's amazing. But realistically, I think I'm going to have to go to Barry's boot camp to make that happen. So um, I, I, yeah, look, like, I think like, I, I, I do like what exercise does for me, but it's, it's been an uphill battle because I wasn't like when I was a kid, I'd be like, I don't sweat. I don't, you know what I mean? And and so, you know, I'm, I'm figuring out my relationship with it, but I think yeah. having the trainer has helped get me over this initial hump of like, all right, I do feel better when I do this, you know? Well, and I think just connecting the dots on all of this, even this whole conversation, I think in talking to you today, like a huge takeaway I have, I said upfront about your self-awareness, but I think beyond that, like, it, you seem to be someone who understands that there's sort of like a wide variety of tools at your disposal yeah. as far as taking care of yourself and not necessarily prioritizing one over the other. And I, yeah. I always talk to people, it's like, don't be obsessed with meditation and ignore everything else. And don't be obsessed with going to the gym because you're mentally beating yourself up and be in a horrible place mentally. Like you, you kind of have to understand these are all options. Yeah. And, and ultimately on a deeper level, you know, move into that place of acceptance a little bit. And that surrender we talked about, right. Instead yeah. of the control and just be like, what do I need today? What is the sort of minimum amount necessary? And how do I not beat myself up if something doesn't go well? Yeah, totally. And I think like <clears throat> just finding like simple little things that you can do for yourself is so important. Um, I, I, yeah, I think like, you know, I actually think that I'm I'm lately, I just read this one of the Murakami books. It's a nonfiction that's called What I Talk About When I Talk About Running. He's my and, favorite author. Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. He's probably mine too at this point. I've read enough of the books. And I think yeah. like he, the, that book's so cool because it like inspired me like, oh, like running really is like the core of human activity. You Primal. Know? Yeah, absolutely. And I have two legs. And like, so I, I have been thinking about doing some more running because I feel like maybe that would like 
help me get out of my head a little bit. But I also know a lot of people who run all the time and are fucking miserable. So, yeah. you know, yeah. um, I think that like we're we're all on this search together. And I think actually that's something that's really um, healing and therapeutic about this is that like, I think everybody at the end of the day wants to feel better. I don't think anybody that it feels anything but great is sitting there being like, it's fine. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that there's something very um, community kind of based around that. Even the people that talk about having it all figured out have days, you know, where it's Absolutely. not all figured out. And yeah. and I think that um, like, you know, like the great, like Brene Brown definitely has tough times. And then the, what she shares is based on those tough times, you know? Exactly. Uh, and I, I think that like, that's, that's really an important thing to remember is that we're all in it together at the end of the day. And we're all trying to, feel better so I think maybe that goes in line with my kindness intention you know because it's like you don't really know what people are dealing with and if I'm dealing with all these things then oh my god like you know like what yeah. what, what other people are dealing with I don't even want to start to imagine because I don't have space for it I, I yeah what I'm dealing with you know and and anything relating to health the interesting thing too is everybody's going through it nobody has it figured out and your health is happening 24 seven in all different varieties. And the weirdest part that I have found is that everybody universally is experiencing this and very few people talk about it. Yeah. Most people internalize it and they quietly compare their body to the person sitting next to them or their stress and anxiety to the person who's feeling the exact same thing and nobody's talking about it and it's all happening yeah. And people talk. I mean, that's my goal. And even this is like, if people talk about these things, it can sort of normalize being a human being. Yeah. A lot of people also don't know how to talk about things in a way that they feel comfortable with. Like, you know, something I've realized with therapy, with just doing CBT, which is just conventional, like, I think it's like com something cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. But it's just like talking. And like so often, when I finally, after, you know, I've been working with Jack for like almost two years, three years. And uh, like, I'll have something that cycles in my head all the time that maybe like, I don't think to bring up or feel so weird to say out loud or like something that you think about a lot or whatever. When I finally muster the courage to say it out loud, that thing usually goes away and I don't worry about it so much anymore. Um, and, and it's awesome, you know, that, that like, it's, it's not, it's not real once it's out in, out of my mouth. It's, it's, it's only real in my head, you know, yep. when it actually is in the real world and someone else has heard me say it, I'm like, that's absurd. Like that's not in an embarrassed way. It's like, that's a crazy thing that I've been thinking about, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it helps me kind of, uh, let go of, um, things that I'm obsessive over. So I think therapy has been really good too. Finding someone, even if you can't afford therapy or whatever, just finding people who listen to you and don't feel the need to give you like an answer or like the solution, but are just down to like, listen is so important. I think really like that's the core of human socialization. And like some of us just employ people to do that. And other people are just lucky enough to have good friends who are good listeners, you know? Mm, that is so spot on. Um, this is beautiful, man. I have one final question for you. I ask everybody, everybody, we've talked through mental health, career, success, achievement, overachievement, control, surrender, physical health, hydration, all of it. Yeah. Um, and my last question is, how would you define true health? 
How would I define true health? Hmm. Don't want to miss say it. I'm conjuring. I'm conjuring. Yeah, take your time. Yeah. I would say true health to me is not necessary. It's not about feeling your best. And it's and it's definitely not about feeling your worst. It's just about feeling and being aware of what you're feeling and being in tune with that amongst yourself. There's the, all this pressure in society to be your absolute best all the time and be this super crusher, whatever. And there's this huge community online and in the world of like, I feel my worst, things are hor horrible, negative, shit talking, negative comments, whatever. And I think that middle ground of just being like, I don't, I don't necessarily feel my best. I don't necessarily feel my worst. I'm just in tune with how I'm feeling. That's, that's enough. We need to give ourselves credit for that to know, okay, that's how I feel. And, and then you can start to figure out, well, why do I feel like that? Oh, okay. Well, maybe I need to do da, 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 whatever. And I think that that really to me is the center of true health. And, and the times where I do that, where I don't feel that pressure to feel my absolute best and I don't, and, and, and I'm not at my absolute lowest worst. I'm able to, and I do feel that like, okay, I'm feeling something. What am I feeling? Okay, this thing. All right, why? Whatever, take those five minutes for myself. That to me is like true health because like it's unfair to put the expectation on yourself that you should feel one way or you should feel another way or whatever. And I've I've felt pressures of both, right? I felt like in my personal life, I should feel my best all the time. In my career, because of the kind of music that's been successful, I've felt pressure to feel my worst all the time. And I think that really true health to me is that middle of being like, uh, at least I'm feeling, you know, and, and, and let's just figure that out right now. You know, I love it. That is so beautiful and spot on. Um, yeah. Amazing. Thank you, ma'am. Well, I got to no tell problem, you, dude. I, Thank can't you for wait, me. I can't wait to uh, see what you share with the world next. It'll be a little bit, um, uh, It'll be like, it'll, it's going to be interesting. I think like, you know, there's been a couple of people that have done this well, have gone from like a really heady album to something that is well received in a pop way. And I, and that's, that's the goal. So we'll see. I don't want to say it'll be dumbed down of the last record, but it's definitely, it's definitely um, more palpable. Uh, honestly, what I'm doing is I'm only, I'm only going to use songs that my mom really likes. Because my mom has a really, really clear taste palette on not necessarily my best work, but what is what is the most relatable and acceptable and and conventional. And I think so that's kind of become the meter. It's like, does my mom I just want to make songs my mom likes? And that's where I'm going from here. Because she did not really like the art of letting go. That was not for her. <laughs> Uh, that's amazing all right well everybody listening check it out we'll put links to everything in the episode notes um thank you so much man this was great absolutely thanks so much dude i'll talk to all you right. soon have a good one